0: Once again, you already know what it is, and you already know where you have reached. This is the number one up-and-coming professional wrestling podcast anywhere in the world, being heard in every one of the 50 states and internationally. This is the Hubbard Wrestling Weekly Podcast, and I am your host, Sean Hubbard. What up, though? We in the building. It is Tuesday, July 9th, 2019, as we keep the momentum going episode 37 you heard me 37 we're all over the place man we're giving you the best in professional wrestling we're giving you the best in combat sports boxing and mixed martial arts and tonight we are continuing our retro review series as we go back in time and take a look at wrestlemania 19. That is Hogan versus McMahon. That is Booker T versus Triple H. Undertaker trying to go 11 and 0 at WrestleMania. Brock versus Kurt Angle, and the final installment of The Rock versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. I have another big time guest in store for you tonight, but before we introduce you to him. I got to reintroduce all my listeners to this. Anywhere you are listening, all over the world, there's only one way to project your business in the best possible light as it pertains to web development and web platforming. And that is through hasprayer.com. Go to their website right now. Check out the list of clientele that they have already worked with. I promise you, you're going to want to add your name to that list. So once again, for your web development and web platforming needs, go to H-A-A-S-C-R-E-A dot com. That's H-A-S-C-R-E-A dot com. Because we love tech. For all my listeners listening in the local New York City and Tri-State area, if you're trying to avoid the pain in the neck of having to wash your own clothes, dry your own clothes, then you got to fold your own clothes. I have the perfect solution for you. Becky Bubbles Laundry Center located on Huguenot Street in New Rochelle, New York. If you take your laundry to Becky Bubbles Laundry Center and let them take care of it for you with their special drop-off service, they will give you 10 off just by saying the special code Hubbard Holiday once again that code is Hubbard Holiday you say that and you will get 10% off your laundry drop off service so once again that's hotcrayer.com and Becky Bubbles Laundry Center let them know that Hubbard Wrestling Weekly put you on you already know what it is y'all nothing but the best from your boy Sean Hubbard at HubbardWrestlingWeekly.com. You already know what it is. We are continuing the momentum in a major way. It is Tuesday, July 9th, 2019. Big time pay-per-view took place. Slammiversary from Impact Wrestling. Really, really good show. Shout out to Tessa Blanchard. The woman who I consider to be right now the best female competitor in the world. And I include Becky Lynch on that list. I include Charlotte Flair on that list. Tessa Blanchard is young, good-looking, athletic, charismatic, in-ring technician. She's the real deal. What a match she had with Sammy Callahan last night on pay-per-view. I should say Sunday night on pay-per-view And I got to tell you something, we have a really special look back that we're about to take a little trip down memory lane as we look back to 2003, WrestleMania 19. I'm so excited to bring you a very special guest tonight, somebody who's more than capable of talking about this tremendous pay-per-view. He is a former Fox News correspondent, had an amazing article that he put out about Jay lethal and the G1 supercard back in April make sure you check that my brother truly knows how to diversify his talents man like I said Fox news correspondent as well as a very talented real estate agent I'm gonna let him have some time to introduce himself later in the show and let you know where you can reach out to him to get your apartment get your new home the brother is doing some big things man Big shout out to him. So happy to have him on the show right here on the Hubbard Wrestling Weekly podcast. He is Andy Sahadio. Welcome to the show, my brother. Yo,
1: thank you very much for having me, bro. I really appreciate that. I love that introduction, man. You got so much charisma. You you were made for this. You definitely made for this,
0: bro. Man, I'm just trying to make it, bro. Like I said, we 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 uh for the people out there listening, me and my bro Andy met at uh, G1 Supercard uh, New Japan and uh, Ring of Honor back in April, man. And me and him just clicked instant bros, you know what I'm saying, you talk about charisma, man, this guy has it for days, so, <laughs> you, you flattered me, my brother, but it's all about you right now, I appreciate you, dog.
1: appreciate you, man,
0: yes, 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 so, yeah, the, the year's 2003, man, and, before we get into the actual parameters of the show, do you remember what the product was looking like back in 03? Because I remember it being a little stale at this point in time.
1: You know, I remember that because, like, uh, I started watching wrestling. So, I'm for context, I'm 21 years old. So, yeah. I started watching wrestling, like, basically my entire life. So, 2002 is the furthest I can remember. But 2003 was pretty much the first WrestleMania that I experienced. And I remember, like, enjoying SmackDown. I think it was, I remember seeing Kurt Angle killing it and everything like that i remember he did this thing with like the japanese geishas i don't remember if that was 2003 or 2004 yeah it was around that time yeah (laughs) yeah it was around that time i remember like they you know i watched a few smackdowns leading up to WrestleMania just to prepare for this podcast and refresh my memory and i kind of see what you're saying like it was a little stale a little stale but but they still they still made it work they had a pop and cruise the weight division everybody was putting in work everybody was putting in work team angle was killing it uh who else we we had mr Ma- oh god the mr mcmahon feud crazy that kind of, oh my god you know how like we have shane mcmahon today where he's just like taking up so much tv time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that that's exactly what it was like when his pops was around back then
0: i couldn't agree more Andy. and you know what's funny part is everything you're talking about was all smackdown stuff and uh-huh. it's similar to today, like SmackDown's the A Show, uh, as far as the I guess you could say the um, the consumer feedback. It says SmackDown's uh-huh. a matter of fact. I take that back. Not even SmackDown. They say NXT's the A Show right now because Raw uh-huh. is so bad right now, bro. It's not uh-huh. even funny. Like it's crazy. But back in 03, I remember what you're talking about, man. It was doing a thing. The problem is too much Triple H. Before we get into the
1: parameters of the show, did it seem like they were shoving Triple H down our throats a little bit, bro? Oh, absolutely, man. Um, For that reason, I chose not to, like, re-watch the Raws from 2003 leading up to WrestleMania because, like, I knew the outcome of the Booker T match, and it's like, I didn't want to put myself through that. My boy, he's from the hood, and he said that, like, he's so happy for Kofi Kingston, Right. And he's like, when I see Kofi Kingston, I don't see just Kofi. I see every black wrestler that was surpassed Fast. for the the world title. Fast. You know, Booker T, Mac, uh, Mark Henry, all them guys. And, and, you know, I just, when I rewatched WrestleMania, I was like, damn, I don't want to watch this match.
0: I couldn't agree more. You're hitting the nail right on the head. And for me, you know, being a black man myself or a man of color, like, it's definitely... We're going to talk about the main event, or one of the four main events of this show, specifically Booker T and Triple H. We're going to talk about it. It it was an atrocity, man. But let's jump right into this thing, man. Once again, it's the year 2003. We Mm -hmm. already discussed how the year was kind of like a little lackluster, maybe maybe a little better on the SmackDown side. But Mm -hmm. speaking of subpar Raw matches, back in the Sunday Night Heat days, uh, we had... Chief Morley's, most of you guys know him as Val Venus. Uh, Venus. Going up with uh, Lance Storm teaming up against the Dudley Boys. Oh, excuse me, with the Dudley Boys in their corner. I take that back. The Dudley Boys were actually in their corner against their will. Uh, going up against Kane and Rob Van Dam for the World Tag Team Championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think? About, I mean, big yawn, in my opinion. What do you think?
1: No, I, uh, yeah, I agree. I definitely agree. Lance Storm, I... I amazing wrestler but you know like if i could be serious for a moment ah, I, you know you know exactly how he is exactly so that's why i see where you where you saying big yawn chief morley i don't know if you noticed, know but uh he's captain cannabis now pretty much like i think he he pretty much retired from the industry for the yeah, most part yeah. and like he's super into like the marijuana industry now yeah. it's it's interesting it's a very interesting uh change of uh Passion, I guess, in his life, well, Kane and RVD, random team, but you know, we all know what that led to. So,
0: that's a fact, man. I mean, you know what it is, man? That that, that team, RVD and Kane, had so much potential. Mm-hmm. Um, we all know that would we'll lead later that summer to uh, Kane revealing his identity, uh, well, Dr. Isaac Yankum, I guess you could say, but um, <laughs> but we, you know, we all love Kane. listen, Kane, Kane did it real well for a long time. I mean, he had the fake diesel thing, he had. The Dr. Isaac Yankum thing, but he made the Kane thing work, you know what I'm saying? He's been in the industry well over 20 years, this team with Robbie and Dam had potential, but unfortunately it didn't pan out the way I would have wanted, and they mm-hmm. lose their tag team championship match to uh, Chief Morley and Lance Storm with the assistance of the Dudley Boys the reluctant ass- assistance of the Dudley Boys as this time, mm-hmm. they said that the Dudley Boys were in their corner against their will but, it is what it is, man I guess mm-hmm. that's a match for Heat, I guess it is what it is right?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, I guess, appropriately placed on the card.
0: Facts, facts. Well, then the fireworks went off, and, you know, the pyrotechnics were ablaze, and everybody was fired up. You know, the main show had begun, Sunday night he had come to a conclusion, and the official card of WrestleMania 19 commenced. One of the best characters of all time, in my opinion. I know that covers a lot of ground. But I thought Matt Hardy version 1 in 03, 04 was so good. Like, he good, was on top yeah. Of his, yeah, he was on top of his game in the ring and his character was just the perfect match of Annoying but cool mm-hmm. at the same time, he had all those MFers. We don't curse on this show, but you know what that <laughs> is. There's, there's, some people might think MFers stand for something else, but in this case, it stands for Mattitude followers. Oh. <laughs> with the number one Mattitude follower, Shannon Moore, he went up against Rey Mysterio defending the Cruiserweight title. Tell us what you remember, Andy, about this match.
1: Oh my god, version one, Matt Hardy was such a, like it was so annoyingly good because it's like. He, you know, he's a, a villain, first and foremost, but he he kind of became lovable to me because, like, he was just so funny at how annoying he was. Like, every single SmackDown that he was on, he was just straight babbling about something or, or whatever. Uh, I remember watching the Smackdown after this Wrestlemania and he's like Brock Lesnar, let's have a champion versus champion match. I'm like, yo what are you doing, my guy like, it, it is like yo and I'm like I watched this for this match again. And I was I was shocked because if I recall correctly, this was this was Rey Mysterio's first WrestleMania match, right? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. And he lost. He lost in the opening match in like five and a half minutes. Like I was surprised. I, I really thought Rey Mysterio had it in the bag. I don't remember that. I don't remember him um, losing to Matt Hardy. But I, nevertheless, I was pretty shocked that Matt Hardy went over.
0: Well. Yeah, it was a shocking situation, partially because that was Rey Mysterio's first WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. um and also because matt hardy was kind of like a gimmick kind of funny guy character but i think mm-hmm. this is when the world kind of stood on notice and was like you know what this version one thing is kind of fun but matt hardy can still go he's still that guy who revolutionized mm-hmm. tag team ladder matches he's still that guy who was a former european champion at the time so i guess the world kind of was like you know what we're gonna give uh, matt hardy uh, a little bit more respect around here you know what i mean
1: yeah definitely and i, I think it was definitely very well deserved you know um I always tell people this, like when it comes to the Hardy Boys, Jeff was obviously my favorite wrestler, but Matt was always the better character. He he knew how to put on a performance, whether it was version one Matt Hardy, broken Matt Hardy, big money Matt. Uh, at all the TNA stuff that he did,
0: he doesn't get enough credit, I feel. He doesn't. And even if you check him on Twitter right now, he's so funny, man. He's a, so you know, like, funny. Be, like, yeah. How hard it is to be Matt Hardy, I love it. I, I look out for it every day now. He almost does a video at least once a week.
1: Yeah, I saw it. And, like, you know, I think it was last week on SmackDown or two weeks ago, uh, he was backstage, and uh, Shelton Benjamin was there, and he referred to Shelton Benjamin as
0: Senor Benjamin. And it was just
1: so <laughs> it was so subtle. And I'm like, damn, this guy, he gets all the subtleties of wrestling, right? You Very know? smooth.
0: Very smooth. I couldn't agree with you more, man. So, Matt Hardy retains the Cruiserweight title, even though he definitely... Was above the cruiserweight limit, but let's not ruin a good story with some real facts. We'll just pretend that Hardy was underneath the cruiserweight limit. We'll just go with it, okay? Is that cool, Randy? Yeah. We'll just we'll just pretend. Yeah, for real. There's for no real. doubt that he came. He was a little bit heavy for that match, but we'll just pretend he came in under the, the proper weight for cruiserweights. Sweep it under title. the rug. That's it. I don't even. I don't remember. I don't even remember. He's he was he was definitely under, he was smaller than Rey Mysterio the way I remember it. You know what I mean? Big facts. big facts. So we get into the third match of the night, man, and obviously um, for the past couple of years, I think since WrestleMania. Probably since the previous WrestleMania that Undertaker faced Ric Flair. Um, they started counting the fact that Undertaker was undefeated at WrestleMania. That's when Undertaker threw up the 10-0 and 0 when he beat Ric Flair. So, when you go into WrestleMania 19 this year in Seattle, The Undertaker and his undefeated streak at WrestleMania is a thing. You know, it's the first time that we're going into WrestleMania with The Undertaker's undefeated streak at WrestleMania being a thing.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Initially... Uh, he had uh, he had a partner going into the match, mm-hmm. uh, but his partner was attacked in the bathroom. Do you remember that? that? Do you remember that little little blip at during some yeah party? yeah that was that was pretty weird.
1: I remember the whole rise of of Nathan Jones. That was it was just very weird. I don't know what to say about that. To be honest, other than the fact that it was just straight up weird.
0: I agree. I agree. And, and Nathan Jones wasn't able to make the match. Um, so it, it turns into a handicap match. It's it's the big show and the A-Train. I think the A-Train is the, the best uh, version of Albert that we ever saw. He was on top of his game. A couple of Survivor Series appearances and this appearance here at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Undefeated yep. streak on the line. Mm-hmm. What do you think about the match? The Undertaker won. We know that. But mm-hmm. a little bit of trepidation. Like, you know, since they mentioned the streak for the first time, you thought maybe the streak would get broken.
1: Right, right. Especially when the odds are stacked against him with two big dudes. I mean, on paper, this match is pretty pretty big yawn. But, like, the match was actually really good. It was, it was really good. Like, you got three incredible big men going against each other. And, like, I honestly was really surprised at how, how good it was. You know, A-Train, A-Train definitely doesn't get enough credit for for his in-ring career. And, you know, seeing him wrestle on SmackDown all leading up to WrestleMania, I'm like, damn. I really slept on this dude when I was going off. I, I don't yeah, get it. It was
0: easy to it was easy to sleep on him, Andy, because like the Prince Albert thing was horrible, mm-hmm. and, and you know, and it's almost and it's almost like we were talking earlier about um about Kane. Mm-hmm. It's very rare when you can overcome a previous crappy gimmick. Mm-hmm. Kane, Kane was able to, able to overcome too. That's very rare. Yeah. As good as A Train was, A Train was still just Prince Albert to me. You know what I mean?
1: Right, right. Yeah, it, it's hard to shake that whole Test and Albert thing, too. Like, you know, yes, that too. The TH, are you
0: right? Oh, yeah,
1: um, but the fact that Undertaker was supposed to team with Nathan Jones, it was like, think about the opportunity that was for Nathan Jones to stand side by side with Undertaker. I, I have a question like, do you know why they they wrote him off? Because I'm not too sure.
0: You know, I, I've read, you know, I've read the dirt sheets and I back in the day dirt sheets and I've obviously done my research for this, uh, this podcast <laughs> and the thing is, I think a lot of the powers that be kind of reconsidered that Nathan Jones deserved a spot. Um, it's WrestleMania and I think they looked at it kind of like, you know what, him, him standing side by side with the Undertaker just doesn't make any sense, you know. Um, yeah,
1: I kind of figured that it would be like that, but like, yeah. damn, what guy, I guess, you
0: know. I mean, I would imagine that he was told, ...before the Sunday Night Heat thing. I mean, obviously, maybe mm-hmm. they, But, you know, who knows? Because they do a lot of things last minute. He could have got told the night before. Maybe it was the previous week on SmackDown. But before the match took place, I guess somebody made the decision that Jones wasn't necessary for the match. He got a little spot during the match. He actually could to mm-hmm. take a win. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I don't know. Maybe it was just... I think it was a little bit before his time. And unfortunately, his time never came. Yeah. But, you know, it is what it is. But The Undertaker remains undefeated at WrestleMania... That undefeated streak would become epic and mythical as the years would go on. This was in its embryonic stages. He would be 11 and 0 after this uh, WrestleMania. 11 and 0 being, like I said, I think the previous year WrestleMania 18, when he beat Ric Flair, was the first time we started having it in our minds that he had a significant undefeated streak,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: uh, and that's when it kind of got the ball rolling. The following year, he would beat. Uh, oh my goodness, 2004, he would beat his brother. Came and, and then it would just keep rolling from there. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so The Undertaker wins at WrestleMania over Big Show and A Train, which leads to the WWE Women's Championship match. Andy, this was before the Women's Evolution. This was still kind of like in Braun Panties' time and things like that. Mm-hmm. But think back and tell the fans your recollection of Trish Stratus because Trish, and even though Lita wasn't on this card, Lita. Were two women. You could kind of see the writing on the wall. Even though it was a broad panties era, you could kind of see like, hey, Trish, she's pretty good.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Um, I remember this was like around the time where like you know I'm I'm a kid. I'm seeing women on TV and stuff like that, and they're like obviously hypersexualized and everything like right, that. Right. But this match was really good. Like you had the thing about the Women's Revolution is that. They always bring up Trish Stratus and Lina, which is, you know, amazing. They, they definitely paved the way. But two people that they always forget are Victoria and Jazz. Like, how? why do they keep skipping over them? I, I, I just don't get it. I don't get how they gloss over the achievements of people like Victoria and Jazz. I get why they do it for somebody like Gail Kim. But Victoria and Jazz, I don't get it. They were phenomenal.
0: They were, and you know something, Victoria got her her signature went over Trish the previous year at Survivor Series. Mm-hmm. Um, Jazz up until recently, and I think it was only because of injury. Don't quote me on this; I'm not 100 sure. But Jazz was like the recent longest reigning NWA Women's Champion. Jazz is still Jeez. doing it.
1: Wow! Yeah, she's still doing it. She's still doing it out here. So that's crazy.
0: But yeah, so Trish wins the triple threat women's title match. um not the greatest, you know, women's match in history, especially considering mm-hmm. recent memory, but it served its
1: purpose, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. Well, I, I agree. I definitely agree. It wasn't the greatest match, but I mean, like, it definitely worked. It definitely worked. And I feel like WWE could probably go back on this and be like, hey, this match was good. This match was good. Let's see what we can do with the women, you know, mm-hmm. Um and the fact that Trish Stratus won, of course, <laughs> you right, know, duh, right? <laughs> crowded, a crowning moment right there. So I think overall it served its purpose. I definitely think it served its purpose. No
0: doubt. The future Hall of Famer would, would become out victorious in this match. Uh, the Women's Championship would leave around her waist, and that mm-hmm. would leave us to uh, Team Angle. Man, they were good. You know, I'll tell you something. Charlie Haas and Shelton Benjamin, were so talented, and I love how they brought them on because basically, and I want your opinion on this too, Andy, basically, they wouldn't have done well just being themselves out the gate. You know Mm. what I mean? If they had just come on the scene, this is Charlie Haas, this is Shelton Benjamin, you know, former collegiate wrestlers, you know, national champion wrestlers, it wouldn't have worked. But you put them next to Kurt Angle, they have something in common, they're true athletes, true wrestlers, uh-huh. You put that little bit of, you know, as somebody like uh, Bruce Pritchard might say, that angle dust on them, all <laughs> of a sudden you have a really, really good team. So, they would walk into WrestleMania as the SmackDown, I think they were no, back in those days they were called the WWE Tag Team Championship, while Raw had the World Tag Team Championship. Uh, but these are essentially, for the young listeners out there, this is essentially the version of the SmackDown Tag Team titles from back in the day. They would mm-hmm. walk in as champs against Benoit and Rhino, and uh, Los Guerrero's Chavo and Eddie Guerrero. Tell Rest us your rec. Yeah, absolutely, most definitely. Rest in peace to the legend Eddie Guerrero. Tell us your recollection of this triple threat match for the tag belts.
1: Man, I love Team Angle growing up. Even if they were like bad guys, like honestly, they put on every single match. I don't think I ever seen a bad Team Angle match. Honestly. Shelton Benjamin and Charlie Haas—they were like peanut butter and jelly together. Yes, they they gelled so well together. And when I was in high school, I used to wrestle, and I really, really looked up to guys like Charlie Haas and Shelton Benjamin because they paved the way for amateur wrestlers in the modern professional wrestling. Uh, I guess microscope, and it kind of it kind of saddens me because it's like Team Angle was so damn good. And then you look at American Alpha, who could have been the next coming of uh, so They had everything. They, they had did. everything, and then it just it just fizzled out. I don't. Jason Jordan drew some of the the biggest heel reactions at the when he was on top when he was Kurt angle son quote unquote. Right. Um, Chad Gable, phenomenal wrestler. You know, even if he doesn't have like a solid character or gimmick or anything, he's just like Charlie Haas, where he just put on a phenomenal match, just like that. Um, but yeah, going back to the match, on paper, incredible match, actually, and the match itself was great. You know, I enjoyed the match, very fun match. Um, the team of Chris Benoit and Rhino, I found it was kind of like it was kind of like an odd coupling. Yeah, it was. Like it, was. So <laughs> it was. What did what did you
0: think of Benoit and Rhino? Honestly, Andy, I thought it was pretty much kind of like a makeshift kind of like throw them together kind of a deal because mm-hmm. Benoit was coming back, if you recall, from a neck injury the year before. Mm-hmm. So he had missed the previous year's WrestleMania. He wasn't at um he was at excuse me, he was at uh 18, but he wasn't at 17. So he he had something going into 18. Because he faced Kurt Angle, but the following year he really didn't have much going. Like he wasn't in the World Championship picture. He mm-hmm. would eventually be. Obviously, we know he had the biggest year of his career in 04. Mm-hmm. But I just think they wanted to put Benoit on the card, and they just put him and Rhino together, and that was a way to get him on the show.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm surprised that like they even got Rhino on the show too. Like you know, Rhino, like Rhino's a legend. But I feel like in terms of legendary status, Rhino often gets like lost in the annals of history.
0: He does. I mean, definitely an ECW legend. Obviously, his time in WWE, I mean, he, he had a long run as far as longevity in the company, but nothing super memorable. Won uh-huh. the U.S. belt during the invasion angle, but, you know, nothing too crazy. But, um, And then he was also played by injuries as well. Uh-huh. But during this match, even in, even in the losing effort, what I recall, is Los Guerrero showing the world what they would eventually become. They were former tag champs, but they were also, Eddie was on the verge of having his biggest year and um or actually coming off you know the tag team situation and going into oh four where he would obviously you know make history by beating lesnar at no way out but you could see like eddie was so good and chavo was pretty good too
1: Mm -hmm.
0: i feel like chavo chavo was definitely
1: slept on um obviously he's not the caliber of eddie guerrero because eddie guerrero was just in a different league compared to like literally anybody else everybody
0: else. else exactly
1: but like, you know, I think sometimes when people mention Chavo Guerrero, they kind of unfairly compare him to Eddie Guerrero, if you know what I mean? Because like comparing anybody to Eddie Guerrero is is kind of rough. But Chavo Guerrero, the fact that he's still wrestling today and he's killing it and like anywhere he goes, he's such a natural bad guy. I remember watching him on Lucha Underground, like, last year, and, like, yes. dude, dude still kills it, still kills it, he it's just has a guy. natural charisma about him that he just doesn't get enough credit for, and he could put on a a damn good match, a I damn good match, I and I, I, I really, I really like Chavo Guerrero, I really like Chavo. Yeah, I, I liked him in WCW as
0: well, I thought he was really funny and charismatic in WCW, mm. always in the shadow of Eddie Guerrero, but, like, in a good way. I know it's hard to say like you're in a shadow and have it be in a good thing, but like I think he almost reveled in being in the shadow of Eddie. And Eddie and him loved each other so much that Eddie would always <coughs> excuse me, make sure that Chavo didn't feel that way. Like again, when you say somebody's in somebody's shadow is always a negative connotation. But I don't think it was negative in this case. Everybody knew Eddie was better. But uh-huh. but Chavo was still able to kind of create his own path and do his own thing in the midst of kind of standing behind Eddie, if you know what I'm trying to say.
1: Right, exactly, exactly. He was just like
0: that little. He was like the icing
1: on top of the cake, I guess. Like exactly, like you know what I mean.
0: No doubt, exactly, hundred percent. So, Team Angle uh, retains the WWE Tag Team Championship at WrestleMania 19. Uh, That leads to, on paper, five main event caliber matches are coming up next. I mean, literally, it didn't really pan out that way, but. On paper, the next five matches are probably, you could argue that these are the the, the lineup of five of the greatest back to back to back to back matches in WrestleMania history by the names. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, Y2J and HBK. Man, oh man, that's a dream match. And at the time, it was a dream match, and they played it up so well. Uh, Jericho, Cost, and Shawn Michaels, uh, the win at the Royal Rumble. Um, mm-hmm beating up Shawn Michaels, bloodying Shawn Michaels, you know, Shawn Michaels returning the favor at No Way Out. Mm-hmm. The seeds were planted the previous fall, six months in the making, and they go one-on-one. They go 22 minutes and 34 seconds at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Talk about it, man. Really, really good match. HBK's WrestleMania return, by the way, after five years being a win.
1: Yeah. Great, great match. Um, people often, like when... I'm sure people always ask you who's your favorite wrestler and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. When people ask me who my favorite wrestler is, I always tell them that it's a it's a toss-up between three people and it's no specific order. I'd always say it's CM Punk, Chris Hero or Cassius Ohno right now, and Chris Jericho, but like, ever since Chris Jericho has been on this wave of momentum since he, you know, wrestled Kenny Omega last year in New Japan, uh, I, I would say Chris Jericho has solidified that number one spot. And, you know, him going up against Shawn Michaels, it was just a phenomenal, phenomenal story. Like you said, leading up to it, you know, getting bloodied by, by Chris Jericho, you know, him getting his spot cost at the Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, was just a, it was just a really great match my only concern was that this match kind of fell into that like weird debt not like death slot on the card but like it was just in the middle of the show where it was just like so true. many matches had happened like at that point you know people kind of needed a break a little bit
0: right true
1: and they kind of put that match there i mean to be honest if, if it were up to me I would have given more stake in Shawn Michaels versus Chris Jericho than I would have Hulk Hogan versus Mr. McMahon. Mm-hmm. But I guess the, the story writes itself there with Hulk Hogan and Mr. McMahon, you know, 20 years plus in the making or whatever. Um, but Michaels and Jericho, great match. I, I couldn't complain at all.
0: No, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think it was a situation where you could have – Like move these matches around, but those were back in the days, if you remember, those were back in the days where they really stacked the second half of the card. In 2019, who knows, Jericho and HBK might have been first. Mm -hmm. I I know that sounds crazy, but you could have opened up WrestleMania 19 with Shawn Michaels and Jericho, and and if they go 22 minutes and 34 seconds like they did and tear the house down, nobody's complaining, you know what I mean?
1: Mm -hmm. And honestly, I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but like I feel like Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre at WrestleMania could have had that that, that level of of potential. If, if it had been given the right build, you know, you have two bona fide stars right there. HB, I mean, Roman Reigns, I guess, being the legend that, I guess, HBK is, and Drew McIntyre still becoming the star that's being born. And, you know, I really think that match had a lot of potential, but it kind of fell flat simply because it was placed in the dead slot. You know what I mean?
0: Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. I think he hit the nail on it again. Um, man, what a what a great match this was. Shawn Michaels walks out victorious, but you can see that Chris Jericho is a Hall of Fame talent at this point. I think this is when he crosses over from, even though he beat The Rock and Stone Cold in the same night, blah, blah, blah. Before, you, know, you know, we all know Jericho was good and he won the title and all that. But this was the night where I said to myself, you know, Jericho could have crossed over from being a really, really, really good guy to one of the best ever. And you know something? I'll tell you something, Andy, and this is a, want to talk about a hot take. Mm-hmm. I never would have had Jericho in the conversation for greatest of all time before. And I'm talking wow. about so recently. But when you take into consideration his longevity, and not just like a longevity career, like all due respect to somebody like Kane, who will be a Hall of Famer, but Kane has been around for 20 years. But Kane, you know, mid-card Maybe a hint of main event, but mostly Uh mid-card. Chris Jericho, from the time he won the title, the Undisputed Championship at Vengeance 01 through 02, Uh through 03, Uh I mean, maybe a break here and there. Now we're talking about New Japan. We're talking about AEW. Chris Jericho could have moved his way into that Mount Rushmore of wrestling conversation. You know what I mean?
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, like, you took into consideration that his matches are still so damn good. They are. Like,
0: they
1: are. <laughs> everybody making fun of Chris Jericho that he got, like, his beer gut and everything going right now. But like, to be honest, he more than. Uh, he definitely deserves the right to, like, you know, let his body go. Because at the same time, he put on consistent matches for the past 25, what, what is it, 29 years? Yes, in the almost now? 30
0: years, for the love
1: of God. Almost 30 years, and he's still putting on amazing, amazing matches. I don't give a damn if this guy looks like you know the the booger from the mucinex commercial or anything (laughs) like that you know what i mean i don't give a damn i think chris jericho could look like you know a drunken hobo and he'll still put on a great great match because he's just that damn good I, 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 hope, I hope the word "damn" is, isn't is nah, too. Nah, damn,
0: damn is cool. We could go damn. That's not a big deal. We, we just don't go hardcore in the show. That's all. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you asking. That's why you're my boy. I appreciate it. <laughs> I got you, bro. That's what's up. No, but one hundred percent, man. Like Jericho's one of the greatest ever, and, and I and I'm not ashamed to say I didn't think so back in the day because I don't think he was positioned to be one of the greatest ever back in the day. Even when he won. The Undisputed Championship. It was almost like a joke that he won. And it was almost like a joke that he beat Rock at at, at Royal Rumble. And it was a joke that he beat Austin at at No Way Out. And it was appropriate and predictable that he lost the title to Triple H at WrestleMania 18. Mm -hmm. But this match, excuse me, a year later, against Shawn Michaels, it proved that he should be in the conversation for the best ever. And you see now, oh my God, almost 16 years later, He's one of the biggest names. He's going to headline the pay-per-view that's going to pretty much go head-to-head with WWE. AEW is, I don't know, one of the most recognizable, even it's, even in its infancy, is one of the biggest companies in the world, right? He's going to be the uh-huh. headliner for All Out. It's uh-huh. crazy, man. Like, Jericho is amazing.
1: Absolutely, man. And that match that like, he's going to have with... Like... With Adam Page, it's going to tear the house down, absolutely, no doubt about it. It
0: is. I don't see him walking out as champion, but then again, you never know. Maybe um, the powers that be over AEW give him the title first as a thank you for, let's call a spade a spade, a thank you for joining AEW because Jericho joining is more of a favor to AEW than AEW is a favor to Chris Jericho hmm Well, uh, let's get a little bit off-topic
1: here and discuss sure. this because this, this is something I wanted to discuss. Is like, you know, we can come Chris
0: back Jer- to let us do it.
1: Yeah, Chris Jericho winning the AEW World Championship, I think it, it has its positives and its negatives because it's like if he wins the AEW title, right, it adds so much prestige mm-hmm. to the AEW World Championship. But if he wins the world title— if he wins the world title and you know everybody goes goes bonkers over, it, everybody loves it. It kind of kind of highlights a little bit of a double double standard in like you know we're always tired of WWE giving part timers you know world championships and stuff like that. And Jericho isn't necessarily full time. You know he's not wrestling full time, but you know that's it's it's kind of problematic in that sense. I wouldn't mind if he won the world title at all. I don't think it would be a problem for me. But I I definitely feel like a lot of the internet would be kind of pissed off if he won. What do you think?
0: I'm going to tell you why I disagree. Had had AEW had its weekly show right now Mm -hmm. or had its weekly show by the time August rolled around, I would agree with you because that would mean that we would have an absentee, maybe not as bad as, I don't think anybody's as bad as Brock Lesnar as far Mm -hmm. as being absent, Mm -hmm. but let's say Jericho doesn't show up every night. That's when we would have an absentee AEW champion, right? Yeah, yeah. Until they have a weekly show, which I understand is not going to be until the fall. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with Jericho being the champion because there wouldn't be much need for him to be on TV because there would be no TV, and then we could even have Jericho lose the title on the debut edition of the AEW weekly television show. Jeez,
1: yeah, yeah, you you wanted something? I I definitely agree. Yeah. I definitely agree. Talk like I
0: said, timing. I have
1: I have no problem with Jericho winning the title, but it was just something. It was like a concern that I had. But like I don't mean to cut you off.
0: No, no, you didn't cut me off. And and I I think I understand exactly what you're trying to say. What I'm trying to say is that at the end of the day, you'd be a hundred percent right if they already had weekly TV. They're not mm. going to have weekly TV until the fall. I don't know if it's going to be October, November. But if I they, think it's October. I think only it's in, October. okay, it's on, in, oh, Great, great. So that's the scoop. There, it's in October. So until October. They're only going to be on television on pay per view, or we were blessed to see it on Bleacher Report and and, and fight for free this mm-hmm. this uh, past uh, Saturday. But until they have weekly TV, there's not a need for anybody to be on TV because there is no TV. As long mm-hmm. as there's a steady champion by the time TV rolls around, I'm cool.
1: Yeah, that's definitely a very valid point. And honestly, if I see anybody, if I see anybody complaining that. Chris Jericho going to be a part-time champion or anything like that, I'm going to use exactly what you just said right there because that's a really, really solid defense for for you know this argument right here. So I appreciate that.
0: I appreciate you, man. But I'll tell you one thing, one thing that's even better than the point I made, which is the fact that Brock Lesnar couldn't lace Chris Jericho's boots.
1: 100%. 100%. So you I, know,
0: nobody should even have Chris Jericho or Brock Lesnar in the same sentence as it pertains uh-huh. to wrestling and part-time. Jericho has dedicated his life to this industry Brock Lesnar, I would shake Brock Lesnar's hand and say thank you for what you've done for the business, but we all know that you only do this for the money.
1: Yeah, 100%. Jericho does
0: it. Jericho's at a stage in staging his career; he's not doing it for the money.
1: You know what sucks is like you know, Brock. Like back then, I guess we'll talk about this once we get to the main Sorry. event. But back then, back then, he real he looked he showed a lot of passion. He was really entertaining, and he was super over
0: as a face.
1: But I digress. Let let's let's. Let's not talk about Brock
0: Lesnar yeah, right, right now. Let's hold up. You're 100% right. But, yeah, so WrestleMania 19, uh, I won't say a young Chris Jericho because he was, he was in his 20s, late 20s at this time, actually early 30s. But 30, yeah. Jericho was on his way to becoming one of the best ever. And this losing match against Shawn Michaels probably did more from than winning because he, he showed how good he is. He did everything athletically. He did everything storyline-wise. And then at the end, he was classic Jericho by taking Shawn Michaels out with a low blow. Uh-huh. Just amazing character and amazing athlete, and Jericho is still giving us a lot of joy as wrestling fans even to this day. But I'll tell you something that didn't bring me joy, and that's the next match on the card. Uh, uh, Andy, I'm telling you something you know, wrong. Go ahead, please, please, please. No, nah, nah,
1: nah, You you go ahead. But I'll let you. <laughs> I'll let you go in this one.
0: Let me tell you something. I don't want to. I don't want to be too heavy, but but I'm going to speak real quick. Look, we all know the racial undertones that were spoken about on Raw leading up to this match, about Mm -hmm. how Booker T didn't look like a champion and he was never going to be in the same class as Triple H or Ric Flair and all these things that were being said. It wasn't said, but it was said, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. And... It would have been well. Let me let me clarify this statement. As a black man, I'm not big on racial storylines. I'm just you know just for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I am seasoned enough. You're in your you're 21. I'm I'm in my early 30s, so we have I have about 10 years on you. But I'm I'm seasoned enough to understand how the business works. Mm-hmm. But it has to make sense. If you're going to dog Booker T. If you're going to talk about I mean, it's kind of pissing me off. If you're going to talk about his police record, his real-life police record, mm-hmm. if you're going to talk about his real-life family situation, being raised by a single mom and being on his own since being in his early teens and having a life of crime and turning his life around, if you want to go there, he better win the match. Mm-hmm. He better Win the match, and if he doesn't win the match, he damn sure should not lose on a pedigree with a fifteen to twenty second delay.
1: That was like the the biggest insult to injury right there. Was that fifteen to twenty second delay? Like what the hell, man?
0: Unbelievable. Go ahead, please go. I I I, whatever you. I want I want to hear your thoughts because I I think everybody knows just by that little ten seconds I just gave. I'm disgusted. This is the worst match to me in WrestleMania history as far as the way it turned out. But
1: go go ahead. Yo, honestly, yeah, I agree with you. And you, both you and I, we're both people of color. Yes. And so we understand, like, you know, racial struggles and, you know, without getting super political no, about no, it. No, but sure, sure. W- what the hell? Uh, why did Booker T lose this match? Why did, How did they get him to agree
0: right.
1: to, that, to that 15 to 20 second delay? And taking that pinfall, you know, I the only other anti climax I've ever seen in WrestleMania history b- besides this one was probably like Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. What was it last year? Okay. Um. Okay. Yeah. That that was like that was a huge, huge anti climax. Like you know, I said earlier, like when I rewatched this pay per view, I just skipped over this match because I did. I already knew how it ended. I didn't want to relive that because honestly, one of the worst. Worst booking decisions I've ever seen in my um, what is it, 17 years yeah. from being a wrestling fan, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, and, and I and I have about and I, I'm about at about 27 years of being a wrestling stuff. fan, and I, I'll tell you, man, I, I just it bothered me, Andy. And you know, something again, and I you know, salute you for acknowledging you know what we both are, which is which are you know, minority people of color who who it's not a racial thing, it's just a real life thing, you know, and it's like at the end of the day. If we're going to be real, we're going to be real. Booker T was played up to be this urban... Criminal. Right. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and and again, even if he had won the match, it would have been like, eh, you took it a little far. But you know what? He won the world title at WrestleMania. I'll get over it. But yeah. When, man. You, when you lose, and you lose on a 15, 20-second delay pedigree, which is always like a weak looking thing when, when, when somebody goes down and the guy who hits the finishing move can't pin him right away but then he eventually crawls into the cover you you lose that match you lose all credit but Booker T wouldn't be the same in his career for four years Booker yeah. T went, won his first and only world title in WWE uh, the following summer of the summer of 06 so that's three years later but the point is I just.
1: It took me. him three years to get back to that position. Yeah,
0: and, 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 you know, it's just one of those things where you just look at it like, you know, where's the respect, man?
1: Where's the respect? You know, they, they always hype him up to be five-time, 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 five-time five WCW World Champion. Um, but, like, when he comes to WWE, it's like, oh, that all goes out the window. Here's a black guy with a cool... Catch uh, right. like uh, like fun catchphrase, but let's let's make him into a freaking joke.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: um, I, I, honestly, I feel like you know Triple H winning this match is it sucks, man. You know, a lot of people and myself included, we praise Triple H for what he's done with NXT, but this is one of those things that I don't think I'll ever get over. And it feels like a most bad rep because anything, people have so.
0: said that Triple H is a jerk sometimes, especially when he was a wrestler. mm
1: mm-hmm, Absolutely, and I feel like. Him with NXT is his way of, I guess, repenting that. But you know, it is what it is. It's, it's so dumb. I don't know. Would would you forgive Triple H for this?
0: I I had a, it took me a long time to get over this, but you know what? I had to come to the realization that he wasn't the one making the decisions. As politically influential as he was, let's be let's be honest about it. He still wasn't the person who put the final check on on the paper, and that's Vince McMahon. And I I just I don't understand. You know, Vince McMahon has done some very controversial things when it comes to black people. Vince McMahon is used the N word on television. Oh so, my god! Yeah. You know,
1: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> me and my boys, we were watching. Um, what was it Survivor Series two thousand? Was it three? Uh, no, 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 not two thousand three. Two thousand five. Okay. Two thousand five. And we were just watching, and they cut to the to backstage, and it was that segment. Yeah. It was that segment. We all we we was all playing Uno. And then once that segment came by, we all stopped and just watched. And they threw Booker T in that segment. Like, oh, my God. I don't understand how Booker T put up with so much racism in his career. <laughs> it's, been
0: rough. it's been rough. You know, every time Booker T has had been faced with a, a situation that could go either way as it pertains to controversy backstage. He had issues with Batista backstage. And... You know, the next time they fought on pay-per-view, Batista won the title. And, and you know, it, it, just, it seems like Booker T— But Booker T's a company guy, and I don't mean that to be as a disparaging remark. I, I just—he's a company guy. For whatever reason, Booker T has been fine. And I'm only assuming this. I don't have a personal relationship with Booker T. But Booker T's still with the company. So, uh-huh. I mean, he clearly is okay with the way they've treated him over the years. But I, I see a lot of discrepancy in how Booker T was treated compared to if he was— Uh, a Caucasian. Again, no racism intended. It's just, you know, facts. You know, Booker T was in the middle, in the midst of a lot of situations I don't think many people would have stood for. But, you know, it's uh, for me, somebody who's about tradition, like Triple H or like Ric Flair, if their hearts were in the right place, should have said, hey, like, you know, we'll take the win, but not like that.
1: Right, exactly. Exactly. I mean, even if Triple H won... In a manner where it didn't include that, you know, fifteen to twenty second delay, like it, it would have been okay, I guess. But like, damn, they they really just dragged it. Yeah. They, they really just dragged it for
0: him. They did. I mean, Booker, Booker T was as lit as, as anybody could be going into the match, and immediately the the, the fire hose uh, was was doused on him, and everything was pretty much over with and done after that. He would have a six man tag with the main eventers um, the following month at Backlash. But we wouldn't see Booker T in a main event picture, as you stated, Andy, until uh, about three years later, where he would win his one and only world title. But uh, WrestleMania 19 should have been Booker T's moment. Instead, it kind of lives in infamy as one of Booker T's most disgraceful moments because Uh of decisions that were made. So Triple H, in very controversial, real-life fashion, uh, retains the World Heavyweight Championship against Booker T, which leads us to... Hulk Hogan versus uh, Mr. McMahon in a street fight, fairly predictable outcome. But I think you know it's WrestleMania and it's 2003. I mean, not 1983. I'm I'm a little confused. Um, please give us your take on the match. Everybody knows Hogan won. Um, I think Hogan and McMahon did as good as they could do. Uh-huh. But when you when you when you sandwich Hogan and McMahon with Hbk, Jericho, Triple H, Booker T, Rock, Austin, and Brock Lesnar, Kurt Angle. It's like, which one of these things don't belong? Which one of these things are not like the other? <laughs> right, right. And
1: honestly, you know, you got Hogan. You know, he's not necessarily a five star wrestler. Right. Um, a Meltzer five star. Right, right, right. You right. know, <laughs> yeah, you, you got Mr. McMahon, who's not like uh, an active wrestler um the story the story you know pretty much wrote itself but the match i mean the match i I wasn't too mad at the match i kind of lived up to what i expected it to to live up to but you know i feel like since you have like 10 years worth of wrestling knowledge on me uh, i want to hear your take on this match i want to hear how you perceive this match i
0: think that um that Hogan and McMahon did the best they could. I think you you put it in a very good way, which is they gave us what we expected. They didn't drop the ball as it relates to what we expected. If we expected a two-star match and they gave us a two-star match, that means they gave us what we expected. So I guess in that aspect, they deserve respect. But there were so many, you know, nuances to this match that made no sense. Um, I mean, they made sense, but didn't make sense, if that makes any sense, um, Roddy Piper's interjection. I guess that's playing on the WrestleMania 1 situation. Uh Piper would have a a couple of months storyline with Captain America moving forward in the year. Um, Shane McMahon coming down at the end of the match and doing nothing but consoling his father, who he didn't have a great relationship with on camera, but I guess it was supposed to be a real-life situation where he was being there for his dad. Uh Um, I, I would just say that Hogan... Was hot enough in 03 to deserve a spot on the show. Uh-huh. Um, I think Vince interjected himself in the process and in the product enough where he was still somewhat relevant. So I felt like they kind of put the story together. As you said, it wrote itself. So let's have a match. A lot of blood, a, a couple of good bumps. I, I like the leg drop off the ladder through the table by McMahon. I thought that was gutsy. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Hogan winning the match makes the most sense. So I guess it was all right. But, I mean, you have HBK, Jericho, Triple H, Booker T, Rock, Austin, and Brock Lesnar and Kurt Angle surrounding this match. So obviously, you know, it's one of those deals where it's like, wow, like, mm, I don't know. Hogan and McMahon, WrestleMania, with all this talent surrounding them, it didn't really fit for me.
1: Yeah, to be honest, I, I agree. I agree. Like, if it was a standalone match it would have been fine but Damn. like you had so many other matches that that you know came after it that were just so much better you know what i mean it, it kind of gets overshadowed even though the story itself was was pretty good you know so
0: Absolutely.
1: my opinion i can i can't really complain it is what it is
0: no doubt no doubt and this would be hogan's actually as, as fate would have it and as, as as history would show this would be hogan's final wrestlemania match he would appear at wrestlemania but he would never have an actual match at WrestleMania Oh, again. yeah, you're right. Yes. Damn, Damn, I didn't even realize that until now. Yeah. would be that, like, That's
1: a that's a very poetic way to go out.
0: Yeah, they gave Hogan a win. I mean, I don't think they knew that's how it would play out, but mm-hmm. as history would show, um, WrestleMania 19 was Hogan's final match appearance. So mm-hmm. this was it for the Hulkster after uh, a long career. He would obviously, as we all know, have many more matches and many more appearances, but this was it as far as WrestleMania. hmm ah. So, you know, big ups to Hogan for that. Well, obviously, I have issues with Hogan because of um, political issues and things that he of said. Of course, of but, course. But, um, you know, from a strictly, a, a strictly, strictly a wrestling standpoint, big ups to Hogan and McMahon for doing the best they could. Let's just put it that way. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Sweet. So, speaking of doing the best you can, good Lord, Austin's in hotel rooms the night before having panic attacks and Uh he's not feeling well and he's going, he's in the ambulance and I guess he knew the fans didn't really know. They kind of kept secrets a little bit better back in those days, but Uh you know, Austin, this is going to be his farewell match. We don't even know if he's going to make it to the ring, but he does. So rock Austin three, the finale, it turned out it would be the final time ever.
1: Uh-huh. Uh, I
0: very good. Very good considering the circumstances. Very
1: good. Great great match. I mean God bless Stone Cold Steve Austin. They, they, he's such an incredibly strong dude. I mean he broke his freaking back yep. the night before WrestleMania and the fact that he still went out there and put on a absolute banger of a final match. Of his final match, of his final of his career, it, it just spoke volumes to how great the Stone Cold Steve Austin character was, and for him to go out like that, history could have written itself better. You know, the fact that he was taking all these bumps and stuff like that, and every single bump. You look at it today, and you know that, like, his back was broken at that time. So you saw the visible amounts of pain and anguish on his face. That was real pain and anguish. You know, you you wrestle for, like, 20-something years. You know, your body gets, I, I would assume, your body gets used to taking a bump. But, like, those bumps that he took looked like he was just learning how to wrestle again, how painful it looked on him.
0: I agree. Stone Cold definitely made some sacrifices to go through with this match. Um, Not sure what WWE would have done if he hadn't been able to go, because he did have some major medical complications the night before, but he was able to push through. Mm -hmm. Um, I really enjoyed the fact that it took three rock bottoms. You know, you you had Stone Cold pass the torch. A torch that Rock wouldn't hold for long, because then he'd be off the scene a year later, but that's neither here nor there. Um, But Stone Cold passed the torch, but he didn't pass it without a fight. It took three rock bottoms two people's elbows, stealing Stone Cold's vest and drinking his beer and (laughs) the whole nine yards. But, (laughs) um, you know, Stone Cold and The Rock is arguably, and and it's very hard to even argue. Um, Matter of fact, I take back the arguably. Stone Cold and The Rock is the the biggest rivalry in professional wrestling. Professional
1: wrestling. I 100% agree. There are no two bigger stars. uh, People could say that Hulk Hogan was, was a was probably the biggest star that WWE ever created, but, I mean, like, you look at The Rock, man. You look at The Rock. Man. This man has so much longevity. He's still at the top of his game, even today. He retired, like, from active wrestling 15 years ago, and he's still a megastar in the entertainment realm.
0: Yes, he is. He's one of the best ever do it. The Rock and Stone Cold are definitely in that Mount Rushmore we were talking about earlier. There, there are... Um It's hard, you know, when you say Mount Rushmore because that's four, you know, so Uh somebody who's supposed to be in is going to be out. You know, you have to think Rock and Stone Cold might make it. But then when you think about Hogan and Flair, when you think about Shawn Michaels, when you think about The Undertaker, Uh it's hard because it's like, man, like who's going to be on the outside looking in? I want to say Rock and Stone Cold make it. It'd be hard to X them out. But either way, we know that beyond a shadow of a doubt, Rock and Austin are two of the top seven greatest of all time. Uh-huh, so, absolutely. you know, for them to face each other at three WrestleManias and numerous other matches, it's really rare when we see two of the best ever in their prime. And we were blessed to be able to see them in their prime. Even after their prime, with Stone Cold on his way out, putting on a heck of a show, um, The Rock victorious, uh, ends his career... After that, he became general manager. Stone Cold did, um, co general manager, sheriff, whatever you want to call it. But mm-hmm. uh, this was the end of his in ring career. We always hoped that he would come back, but he didn't. He he stayed away, and I guess he felt like he needed to move um, well, well, on. Stay away because he wanted to be healthy. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And like you know, as I was saying about like going back to the Hulk Hogan thing, that's all respect due to Hulk Hogan because you know he did pave the way for pro wrestling to become the the. The spectacle it is today but you know when you talk about mount rushmore and you know including the rock and austin it's kind of hard to imagine a mount rushmore with like one and not the other you know what i mean like sure. after having the rock without austin or having austin without the rock it just seems kind of weird they're like the yin and yang
0: you know i always i did this funny thing man you know as a younger guy i always would kind of figure out in my mind who i felt like would be the best out of two or three or five, whatever guys, and I always had these, like, imaginary... This shows you I'm being a dork right now, so don't judge <laughs> me. I would always have these imaginary matches in my head. And the thing that I would come up with that would, that would figure out to me who was the better guy was whose music would be first and whose music would be last because uh-huh. the crescendo continues to build. So if I was having, like, an eight-man battle royal, right, and it was between, like, Triple H and whoever, like... Triple H would come out first, and then I, I'm just throwing names out there. Then Kurt Angle would come out second, and then I guess Undertaker third and Shawn Michael fourth. And then you get to the nitty-gritty, like who comes out who comes out towards the end? Who's going to have the biggest pop at the end? Is it going to be uh-huh. Flair? Is it going to be Rock? Is it going to be Austin? Is it going to be Hogan? And it's like you really have difficulty. Mount Rushmore is four. That's why people have difficulty with the Mount Rushmore of the NBA. It's mm-hmm.
1: hard. It's only four guys. Exactly. Exactly. So how do you how do you how do you even come up with like those four guys when you got such an amazing talent pool right there? You know? And I'm not like the biggest basketball fan or anything, but I saw social media was wild yesterday with like everybody talking about like the Nets and like, you know, how the Knicks lost everybody. Oh, God, like
0: don't get me started. <laughs> Yo yeah, oh, oh my god. I'm a Knicks fan. It was it just continued misery for Knicks fans. The two oh, of the best man. free agents in the world are just going down the road to Brooklyn. It's the Knicks are tech. listen, James Dolan, the owner of the New York Knicks I know this is not possible. I know I'm saying something that makes absolutely no sense. But do me a favor, James Dolan. Fire yourself, please.
1: (laughs) Jeez, yo, yo, basketball fans are going crazy. I feel bad for Knicks fans at this point.
0: Listen, I I was, uh, oh my goodness, 1994. I was nine years old the last time they, they were in the finals. And I wasn't even a thought in my mother and father's brain. In 73, I wasn't even close to being in existence when they won their last championship. I was still 16, 17 years away from being born when the Knicks won their last championship. So it's it's really been a disgraceful thing. But, uh, yeah, I don't want to get on a tangent. You got me started now, man. I'm so upset. But, um, I mean, I, guess the, I, just hope, I just hope the Knicks win in my kid's lifetime. That's all I can hope for at this point.
1: That's a fact. Damn, I didn't even know that. Damn, when was, what year was that that they won their last championship? They
0: won their last championship in 1973. Wow. The, Knicks, wow. the Knicks, people people forget because um people forget because the Knicks have been to the finals a couple times. They went to the finals in '94. They went to the finals in '99. But the last time they won the whole thing was 1973.
1: That's crazy, and, like, the the Knicks are such, like, a, a household name when you yeah. talk about the NBA, so it's, like, from from me, like, an outsider looking in, because, you know, like I said, I'm not a big basketball fan, from from the outside looking in, you would think that, like, the Knicks are, like, they're, like, one of the greatest teams of all time, but now, it's crazy, everybody's just, like, so mad, everybody's,
0: damn, yeah, I feel bad for it's Knicks It's a bad though. thing, a you Knicks know fan is one of the hardest things in my life, I mean, I, I'll go down the parameters right quick. And then we can get back on, on the show. Like, you know, for me, I'm, I'm a Nick fan, which is which is torture. I'm a Met fan, which is torture. <laughs> um I am a Giant fan. So I have a couple of rings in the fairly recent memory. Like, they won in 11, and they won in 07. So, I mean, it's almost 10, 11 years ago now. But at least in my reasonable memory, short-term memory, I can remember them being good. Mm-hmm. Um. The Knicks haven't won in my entire lifetime. Uh, the Mets haven't won in my entire '86. They haven't won in my entire lifetime. Um, oh my god! The what's the other team I like? I like I'm trying to think. I like the Knicks. I like the Mets. I like the the Knicks, Mets, Giants, and that okay Yankees. I'm not a big fan of Yankees. the Yankees. Huh. Yankees win all the time, but I don't really like the Yankees, so that doesn't do anything for me. Mm-hmm. So it's it's hard. Trust me, it's very hard.
1: Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. I I completely understand that. And we're both we're both WWE fans. So like you got you got it all around. Yeah.
0: Man. <laughs> so we're suffering on every level. Thank God for yeah. AEW and ROH and New Japan. Thank God for some alternatives. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely.
0: So the year's two thousand three. It's March thirtieth of two thousand three. We are in Safeco Field, and the main event has arrived. The Royal Rumble winner, and arguably the Hottest name in the business at this point, Brock Lesnar going up against the time-tested, honorable, at this point second-time broken-neck WWE champion, uh, Kurt Angle. Uh, give us your recollection of this match. It was it was really good, especially considering how hurt Kurt Angle was coming in.
1: Man, both these guys they really did go to war, and like Brock Lesnar. <laughs> It sucks that Brock Lesnar does so much today to tarnish his legacy mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. if he had never came back or even before he broke the streak if like you look back at this match I'm like damn Brock Lesnar literally almost killed himself yeah. in the WrestleMania main event. He did. he did. This was before Suplex City. This was before all of that. He literally almost killed himself for the business and it's like why don't you show that passion today? Like, you don't have to kill yourself, but, like, come on, man. Like, do something that that doesn't make people forget who you were because he was so over... He was so loved and adored, which was surprising. Tell the people what you're
0: talking about when you say Brock almost killed himself.
1: Oh, uh, well, everybody, you know, when, when you think about this match, you obviously think about the shooting star press. Yep. Here. You know, he attempts... Uh, an absolute athletic marvel but you know he kind of failed because he was just too far away from Kurt Angle but the fact he nailed that shooting star press, though, honestly he nailed it it's just the fact that Kurt Angle was just too far, too far away. And, and yeah yeah he's too far away and Brock I guess didn't get that full full rotation and thus he landed like so badly on his head it was just it's one of the most cringiest moments I've ever seen as a pro wrestling fan, especially in WWE history. It just it physically hurts me to look at that.
0: Yeah, well, it was it was bad. He, he fell on his head, and I I remember they um, WWE did a good job of chronicling the fact because like, they took a lot of heat for Brock trying that move because he almost like like Andy accurately pointed out that he almost killed himself. But back in OVW, which is the former uh, training ground for WWE guys he would do a beautiful, like almost poetic and and, and uh, (laughs) ballet-like shooting star. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and it was so beautiful. And if he had done that at WrestleMania, it would have been an iconic moment. He had never broken it out on the main roster. I guess that was something special for the main event of WrestleMania. But it failed, and it it was really a dangerous thing that almost ended Brock Lesnar's career.
1: Do you think it was nerves that caught up to him? What do you think caused
0: that? I think Brock got up there and realized that um, Angle was too far away. And and to his credit, realized that had he gotten down off the ropes, that it would have killed the moment. Like, if you, you're standing up there, you're climbing the ropes, you're in the moment, and you're about to do the shooting star press, and you're thinking to yourself, Kurt Angle is far too far away for me to pull this off. Do I get down off the ropes and readjust, or do I just go for it? I think that's what it came down to. I think whatever the previous move was, which I believe wasn't F five that Kurt Angle kicked out of. Uh I think it was they just came to the realization that he was too far away, and then Lesnar would have had to make a decision. I'm up here now. Do I climb down and ruin the moment, or do I just go for it? That's such a that's a terrible situation
1: to be in, man. Like that amount of pressure on you. Damn, I can't imagine what that must have felt like.
0: God rest his soul, if you're the macho man Randy Savage and you know that you, you're about to hit the elbow, but in the heat of the moment you forgot to look back and you see that, I don't know, Sergeant Slaughter is three-fourths away on the other side of the- do you leap as far as you possibly can to hit the elbow or do you jump down and maybe body slam him closer and kind of kill the moment? What do you do?
1: Yeah, exactly. It, 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 that's the thing about pro wrestling that like people on the outside looking in, like, non-wrestling fans just don't get it. They're like, damn, old wrestlers fake this, that, such and such. But, like, you you get in that, that ring and do what they do, but, like, and it's it's not easy, and to be in that moment where you have to make that split-second decision, it's not a lot of people can, can live up to that. I you know?
0: agree
1: and that. Brock Lesnar really showed that he had the the testicular fortitude if i may borrow that phrase there you go. um yeah so <laughs> it sucks that like this is what lesnar is today he's seen as you know suplex city this is what this generation sees brock lesnar as because at the end of the day he was so damn good until he just you know became who he is today which which sucks but whatever man you
0: know not to get not to get religious um some of us, you know, everybody knows that I'm a religious guy, faith uh-huh. guy, but, you know, the Bible says, man, that it's not money that's the root of all evil. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. So people people mis- mistake that scripture all the time. They say money's the root of all evil. No, money's not the root of all evil. We need money. I like money. We love it. Uh-huh. Money is good. But the love of money is the root of all evil. And I bring that up because Brock Lesnar has, has decided that a check is more important than his passion. So... Um, you know, back in those days when he was hungry and it was all about the product and being the best he could be, even when he left the scene a year later, even when he decided to play football, Uh I I didn't have a problem with that. I mean, I missed him. I wanted him to be in, in WWE, but I didn't have a problem with him going to play football because that was something he wanted to do since he was a kid. He wasn't a football player. He was a wrestler. But he wanted to try out for the Vikings. I had no problem with that. But when he came back and became this mercenary... Mm-hmm. That was all about getting a check, and it really didn't matter what it was, as long as the check was good. He would do whatever it was. It, it, it became a little toxic, and even him now being money in the bank, uh, the money in the bank holder, it just doesn't sit well with me because you know what it's going to lead to, and it's not right, man. It's just it's just different. It doesn't feel right to me.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. It it it, it kind of disgust disgusts me a little bit, but. That's the path he chose, and so be it. If he wants to be reviled for the rest of his career, then it's his choice. He, he's still making bank, and he's still living in the woods of Canada till this day. So like, I guess he, he won.
0: He won. That's what's up. Well, listen, we've come to the conclusion of this WrestleMania 19 review show. Um, if you had to you know, give this show a rating of 1 to 10, 1 being awful, 10 being great, um, you have five-star matches like Shawn Michaels and Jericho. You have not-so-great matches like Morley and Storm versus Kane and Rob Van Dam. You have matches that are a little confusing like Hogan and McMahon. You have atrocities like Triple H and Booker T. Mm-hmm. You know, Give us your assessment, one to ten, on the show as a whole. I think... Okay, one thing that we didn't cover, <laughs>
1: Richard, one thing that we didn't cover was the fact that they got Limp Bizkit to perform, not once, but twice on um, uh, the show. True, true, true. And I, I I, love Limp Bizkit, and the fact that they performed twice and they killed it, they killed it. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care that, that people say that Fred Durst is cringy or Limp Bizkit is bad. I don't care about none of that. Limp Bizkit... Kill it. They were the right performers okay, for that hold on, show.
0: hold on, but if you're going to talk about that, I, I, and I'm glad you brought that up, because Limp did awesome, but if you're going to bring that up, then we have to talk about the pointless uh, Miller Lite Girls versus Tori and Stacey match, too. Oh, yo, I, I, I completely forgot about it. <laughs> I this got too. to be honest. <laughs> Even though, shout out to all four of them, because they're all hot, but, you know, whatever. Okay, so, what was your take on that? What, the Miller Light girls and Stacy and, Tor- and Tori? I I, yeah. I I mean, I love looking at hot women. That's never going to be a problem, but the match was pointless.
1: It's so pointless, <laughs> man.
0: So pointless. Right. But, but that just proves uh, with the Limp biscuit analogy with the Miller Light girls and Stacy and Tori. This, this show, top to bottom, was nothing but ups and downs all night.
1: Yeah, it was a roller coaster. It was yeah. an absolute roller coaster. So I guess would I would have rated from 1 to 10. I would say maybe seven, seven and a half, just because like there were some great matches, but there were some some lows as well that kind of brought it down. But overall, it it was a very enjoyable mania. You know, we we've definitely seen far worse WrestleManias than this, so I, I think seven point five would be kind of a fair assessment. What do you think?
0: I'm, I'm gonna go seven. I'm gonna go seven. Um, I thought I thought Shawn Michaels and Jericho could have been the main event anywhere in the world they were that good that night um i thought like i said hogan and mcmahon served his purpose rock and austin did great angle and kurt uh excuse me angle and brock despite some mistakes did very well but that booker t triple h match is one of the most infamous disgusting things i've ever seen so that brings it way way down that's like a low of the entire night for me so Absolutely. It's going to bring it down to about a seven, but overall, a good show. I think the WWE represented itself in a year that was very down for the business. Mm-hmm. They 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 did well because, and just to give a little bit more context on that before we close out the show, um, 01 was the year that they bought WCW, so they were still kind of like on top of their game. You know, competition was still in their ear or on their heels, I should say. 2 mm-hmm. two, they're still kind of like getting their feet underneath them, knowing that they're the only game in town. They bring in the NWO. 03 was the first year, I think, that they realized, hey, we're the only game in town. We can chill. It's no big deal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's why I feel like 03 was the worst year. I think 04, they got themselves together with Guerrero and Benoit. But 03 was just a rough year. Like, Let's just leave the title on Triple H all year.
1: All year. Let's just
0: not worry about Raw at all. (laughs) It was bad.
1: Yeah, man. I
0: I agree. I agree. For
1: me, personally, when I was a kid... I enjoyed 2003. Um, I definitely see the gripes where you're coming from and stuff like that. But looking back, when I was a kid, I, you know, the the Internet didn't exist. You know, we had, like, dialogue AOL Internet with them big what? computers. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, so, like, the Internet didn't exist back then. I kind of had that, that, you know, innocence the, um, that I guess the Internet took away from me when it came to pro wrestling. Like, I didn't understand how, quote, unquote, things worked backstage and stuff like that, so at, at that time, you know, I enjoyed it, but like, I, looking back now, you're definitely right about, you know, WWE realizing that they were the only game in town, and they, they did decide to take it easy, but yeah, 2004, great year, great year, they did a phenomenal job at building up both Eddie and Benoit that year, so... I think 2003 was a it was a good building rebuilding
0: phase rebuilding for that. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. That's a good way to put it. And shout out to WWE for even in the midst of a bad year. And if you want to take it even to present day, uh, you know 18, 19, you know bad years. It's been really rough for the WWE the last couple of years, uh-huh. um, being unopposed um, on a, on a worldwide television stage. But WrestleMania never lets us down. So thank God for that. You know at least we know once a year. We can expect the very best from the number one organization in pro wrestling, but all I can say is, be very, very careful, because Uh somebody is coming. They're
1: coming. Yep, exactly, exactly, man. They're coming very soon, and they're not going to hold back, you know. They just had a a really good show this past Saturday. Fighter
0: Fest was awesome.
1: It was was a great show. It was a great show, you know. Uh, you know, it's funny because you know that spot that Cody Rhodes had with Sean Spears? Oh, sure, the one that sure. that everyone's talking Paul about. Talking about
0: it.
1: Yeah, so like we, you saw how like Cody Rhodes just looked so like loopy and out of it mm-hmm. that entire time. Like after I watched this past WrestleMania, I watched um the SmackDown After Mania and they showed like what happened after the main event and Brock looked exactly like how Cody Rhodes looked and where he was just dazed confused did not know where he was or anything like that it it just that chair shot really just kind of like unsettled me you know
0: good analysis on your part but you're right it was unsettling and um you know we just got to make sure you know that we don't get too bloodthirsty you know i'm saying i enjoy the hardcore aspect Mm -hmm. i enjoy the fact to bring it back to real physicality but you know not at anyone's expense that that chair shot was a bit much but as i said on my twitter And I got a lot of positive feedback. If you look, as bad as it was, Sean Spears did not follow through all the way on that chair shot. It could have been worse.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. 100%. 100%. Sean Spears, I don't think he really to blame. It was just kind of like a freak accident at that point. And, you know, like you said about fans getting a little bit bloodthirsty and stuff like that, you know. I think a chair shot to the head here and there is, I guess, passable. But, you know... If we could avoid it, let's just avoid it. There's so much more entertaining things that we can do in pro wrestling that doesn't involve a chair shot to the head, you know what I mean? A lot of people on the internet are like, oh, when did wrestling fans become so soft? Why why can't you deal with a chair shot to the to the head? And, you know, somebody asked that question. And like they were like, when did wrestling fans become so soft? And I responded, I'm like, when Chris Benoit killed his wife and kid and himself.
0: Mm, good point.
1: Good point. And it's like, like you know what I'm saying. It's like CTE is a very real, yeah, it's a real, very real thing. Game. And that's, a chair e- shot an to the point head.
0: excellent point you're making right now.
1: Excellent point. Yeah, I appreciate you, man. And you know, a chair shot to the head. That's not gonna do nobody any favors. It's, it's gonna get. A, it's gonna get a cheap pop, and that's it. Absolutely. Like, we like these oh, can have
0: long
1: lives, man. We want oh, them, we oh win wrestling win. fans are soft because they can't take a chair shot. To the head. Like, good for you. That that you can withstand somebody getting hit with a chair shot over the head, like it, it it doesn't make any difference because that person is still gonna have to live with the effects of that, while while you probably just eating Doritos in your mom's basement. Or in your mom's
0: basement, right? Yeah, you know. <laughs> All right. Well, that's that's a sound that's a sound outlook on your part. I salute you for that. I think it's 100 percent accurate. We want to be entertained, but we don't want anybody getting permanently injured. Look. Dean Ambrose, excuse me, John Moxley, and uh, and Joey Janela made themselves into pin cushions on Saturday night.
1: Mm-hmm. But you know
0: what? And, and that's even pushing the line for me. I don't want to see them get hurt either. But that's different than getting a full-on share shot to the head. So thank God for Sean Spears that he didn't follow. Take a look at the replay, everybody. Take a look at the replay. Um, Shout-out to Andy. He just agreed with me. I think a lot of people on Twitter agree with me. Take a look again. Sean Spears did not... Follow through all the way on that chair shot. I promise you. People are like, yo, how bad could it have been possibly? It was bad. I'm telling you. It was bad. But it could have been worse. Could have been worse.
1: Could have been, been worse, man.
0: With that but... being said, man, I want to let you talk to the people right now, man. Yo, I mean, you're working for you You're a former journalist for Fox News. And, like, you're, you're selling houses. Listen, <laughs> tell the people, man. Because you know what? This dude is the real deal. I check him out on Instagram all the time. He's selling houses. He's selling apartments. He's doing articles, man. He—he's he, a good guy. Tell the people where they can find you. Give them phone numbers, emails, whatever you got to give them to make sure that they are heading in your direction for all their real estate needs. Whatever journalism you got coming out, talk to the people, man.
1: Yo, Sean, I really appreciate you, my brother. I need you as my hype man, honestly. <laughs> you 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 better than leo rush to be honest like I, i'm feeling some type of way that, that the way that you hype me up but yeah uh i was a former fox news entertainment writer i got, got to interview jay lethal and ring of honor coo joe cough and sean and i actually met because we were giving media passes to uh, the g1 supercard at msg yes sir and it was, a, it was a phenomenal experience. And so after that, I graduated college and everything like that. So right now, if, if anybody who's listening to this right now, if you need a house or an apartment in Queens, Brooklyn, or a Long Island, hit me up. I got you. My number is 516-300-2066. That's 516 300 2066, and you could either reach, you could call me, you could text me, you could email me. My email is a n d y s a h a d e o at kw dot com. That's Andy Sahadio at kw dot I'm working for Keller Williams. Excuse me, my mouth is getting a little bit dry right here. I'm working for Keller Williams, the biggest real estate firm in the world, international. And we do our best to service our customers, our clients, and I look forward to hearing from anybody who's listening. And I would love to to help anybody find their next home or their next apartment and take that next step in their life.
0: That's what's up, man. We appreciate you. i make sure I put for all the fans out there listening. I have listeners in all 50 states. I salute each and every one of you. But for all my people listening in the local tri-state area, I'm going to put... My boy Andy's information on the bottom of this podcast. So everybody who sees the podcast description for this episode, number 37 of the Hubbard Wrestling Weekly Podcast, whether you listen on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, The Daily, Smart, Bodyslam.net, wherever you may be listening, even on YouTube, I'm going to put my, my homeboy's information on the bottom paneling of this show so you can check him out. He's very best, and when it comes to real estate, check him out. He's not going to lead you astray. So with that being said, yo, Andy, I appreciate you, my G.
1: Yo, I appreciate you, my brother. There's not a lot of people like you out there in this world. I appreciate you, Sean. You, you a real one, and I'm I ain't talking Enzo Amore. You know what I'm talking about you. You a real one for real.
0: Likewise, man. I appreciate you, my brother, and, and real Recognize is real. We're gonna do this again, right, right here on the Hub Wrestling Podcast. But not a, not only that, just we're gonna continue encouraging each other, praying for each other, so we can both get these Ws. All right.
1: Absolutely, bro. Thank you so much for having me.
0: No question, man. Listen, I wanted to return that same thanks and gratitude to you for being on the show. And I'm definitely, I'm calling it right now. I'm going to definitely have you back on the show to do this again. Because um, it was a lot of fun. And I think the content we brought the people tonight was was excellent. Talking about WrestleMania 19 and also that real good information about AEW and Chris Jericho in the modern day and in the past and all that good stuff. Two true wrestling historians Chopping it up. So I salute you, my brother, and we'll definitely link up and do another show very, very soon. Make sure you reach out to him with that information about the real estate that he just gave you. I will make sure I put that information in the description of this podcast. So with that being said, one quick programming note. I want to give a very special shout out to a very special female, very special woman. Her name is Genesis representing Long Island, New York. I salute you. For being a super, super dope person. God bless you. Continued success in everything you do. You're truly blessed. She, uh, you know, definitely blessed the show by doing the outro for this show starting tonight. Uh, You'll hear her voice as the show comes to its conclusion tonight and moving forward. I hit her up. I was like, yo, Jen, you know, I need something different. Can you help me out? She was more than willing and, and happy to do so. Um... I mean, real talk, just a really super amazing woman. And I want to give a tremendous shout out to her for being an outstanding human being. Um, I was like, yo, Jen, I'll pay you. I know we're, you know, friends, we're family. But, you know what I'm saying? If you want me to pay you, she was like, nope, I don't want you to pay me. Just continue doing what you're doing to the glory of God. And, I mean, that's just the kind of person she is. So, all love, Jen, I appreciate you. God bless you. And thank you so much. So, with that being said... However you may be listening, ladies and gentlemen, and wherever you may be listening, once again, I thank you. God bless you. Um, Let's keep this wrestling community popping. Let's keep this MMA community popping. Let's keep this boxing community popping. Combat sports is at an all-time high right now. We just saw Impact Wrestling uh, Slammiversary 17 on Sunday night. We got Pacquiao versus Thurman coming up on Fight TV And Fox pay per view in a couple of weeks. We got Fighter Fest, or excuse me, Fighter Fest just passed, which was an awesome show. Coming up next is Fight for the Fallen, coming up on the 13th of July. So, you know, wrestling, mixed martial arts, boxing, combat sports as a whole is at an all time high. And Hubbard Wrestling Weekly is going to continue to bring you the very best in those categories. Shout out to Fight TV and their amazing staff over there. Shout out to Bellator MMA and their amazing staff over there. Keep doing what y'all doing. You know what I'm saying? If y'all ever need anything from me, I'm here. Just like I know y'all are here for me. To all my listeners, thank you, thank you, thank you. This show wouldn't exist without you. I'm so blessed and so humbled that you guys enjoy my show and my content on the website. I get so much love and feedback of a positive variety. On my Twitter, at hub underscore wrestling. That's H-U-B-B underscore wrestling. It means a lot. I thank you. I salute each and every one of you. So with that being said, on behalf of my guest co-host for tonight's show, the one and only Andy, the former Fox correspondent, the college graduate, and the real estate agent, make sure you reach out to him. On behalf of myself, the founder and host of Hubbard Wrestling Weekly, Sean Hubbard, I salute you. I thank you. God bless you. And we'll talk to you again soon. Hubbard Wrestling Weekly, the very best in professional wrestling and combat sports. Peace. You have been listening to the Hubbard Wrestling Weekly podcast, which is an original production of HubbardWrestlingWeekly.com. Hubbard Wrestling Weekly is an independently owned company. The opinions and ideas of its host and studio guest are theirs and theirs alone, as Hubbard Wrestling Weekly is not associated with any professional wrestling, mixed martial arts, or boxing organization. Hubbard Wrestling Weekly, the very best in professional wrestling and combat sports.